What's up, 11:30? How you guys doing tonight? Okay, that that was the worst ever like response from you. I'm actually really disappointed in y'all this morning. Let's try this again. How are y'all doing this morning? That's, the front row here is awesome. The rest of y'all are kind of lacking behind them. I understand you guys are still tripping on tryptophan from that turkey. And so uh, you're not quite there. But anyways, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us. Uh, I hope you guys had an incredible Thanksgiving this past week. Ate lots of turkey. Did no exercise. And uh, shopped a lot. And so I hope that that was the extent of your weekend. But we're excited that you're here. We're actually beginning a brand new series today called Legacy. I know it's kind of a weird time to start a brand new series. But I think it's important that we talk about uh, what we're we're creating with our life, like what kind of legacy are we leaving in life? And my goal over the next couple of weeks is to help give you some keys to leaving a great legacy in your life. Because whether you realize it or not, everything you're doing right now is creating your legacy. Every decision that you're making, every choice that you're making, and how you're positioning yourself right now. In, in today and tomorrow, in the next couple of days and years and, and, and decades of your life is creating the future of what people are going to say about you and what that is going to look like for you. In fact, I, I was reading this week, I read a story uh, about these three guys that started a company in 1976. Uh, two of their names were Steve and the last one's name was Ronald. And uh, they started this company and, and, and really the reason there was uh, three of them in the partnership is because the two Steves, could never seem to get along. They always seemed to be butting their heads up against one another and they could never uh, settle their differences. And so they brought this third guy in named Ronald who was a little bit older and he would settle the differences between them and get them back on track to, to doing some things. And so as they started uh, building this, this idea that they had, they said, hey, we should incorporate and we should make a corporation. And so the two Steves each got 45% of the company and, and, and so Ronald ended up with 10% of the company. And and they got their first order for the product that they were, they were making. And uh, they didn't have enough money to buy the inventory that was necessary to fulfill that order. So Ronald took out a loan for $15,000, uh, partly because the two Steves didn't have anything to their name. So they couldn't qualify for any financing. So Ronald got this loan for the company. And uh, about 12 days into the company, he realized, man, if this goes bad, the bank is not going to go after each one of the Steves because they don't have anything to go after. They're like living in their mom's basement. They got nothing to their name. I've got a family. I've got a house. I've got a car. Like if this goes bad, they're going to come take everything I have. So at day 12 of the company, he sold his 10% share for $1,500. The two Steves ended up being Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs. And they started this little company that maybe you've heard of today called Apple Computer. And Ronald G. Wayne sold a 10% stake in Apple for $1,500 that today would be worth $67 billion. And I've watched watch multiple interviews of, uh, of Ronald's life. And every time he, he gets up and he says, listen, I have no regrets in the decision I made. But come on, bro. You sold steak that is worth $67 million. Anybody, would regret that? Anybody else would regret that? I would regret that if I sold a 10% steak that 30 years later would be worth, or 40, what is it, 50 years later, would be worth $67 billion. 
And Ronald's legacy is that he is the person that sold a $67 billion stake for $1,500. That's all that he's known for in life. Now, I want you to realize this. Every decision you're making is creating your legacy. It's creating what you're remembered by. And how you're remembered. Every good decision, every bad decision, every step you're taking. That's why positioning in life is so important. I don't know if you realize this or not. But all of us have a 100% mortality rate. Like, at some point in life, you're going to die. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews 9, 27, just as each person is destined to die once, like you're not going to die twice or three times or four times or five times, like, and come back to life. You're not Jesus. And so, like, all of us is going to die at some point. There's a beginning and there's an end. It's what are you doing in the time in between? What is your legacy in life going to be? In fact, I found one guy that he, he had a great legacy. He, in fact, he put it on his tombstone. It says this, I told you I was sick. I don't care who you are. That right there is funny. Like that dude was like, I told you I wasn't feeling good, but y'all didn't believe me. Like, but we're all le- leaving a legacy whether we realize it or not. And I put it like this, legacy is where my life lives on. Legacy is where I make such an impact in this world that when I die, because of the impact that I've made, my life continues to live on. And, and it, it makes me ask the question, are we living our lives in such a way that we're making that kind of difference in life? Because everything you're doing right here, right now, today is positioning yourself, whether you live or you die, for how people are going to remember you. And I believe that your positioning is crucial to your future and how you're positioning yourself right now is going to be critical to the life that you live or you want to live in life. And, and it's important that we realize the decision Decisions that we're making are so, so important because what I watch is I watch a lot of people go through life thinking, man, I just want to achieve. I just want to achieve. I want to climb the ladder in life. I want to achieve. I want to achieve. I want to achieve. And they're searching for achievement. They're searching for success. They're climbing in life. And what happens is, is a lot of people are finding success in life but never Ending up with significance. And most of us, we think we want success, but the problem is, is we achieve success, but it's kind of empty up here. There's not a lot of difference you can make in this position. And while we're chasing a lot of things, we think that we're finding significance when we're really only finding success. And there are people that die every single day that are successful that nobody remembers. Because so many of us are chasing success, climbing the ladder only to find out it's been leaned up against the wrong building the entire time. Because we thought we were finding significance in life, and we've missed the mark. That's why it's so important to realize what am I living for, and what am I going to be remembered by, And how am I going to live a life that outlives me? What am I doing currently in my life? What are the decisions that I'm making today that are helping my life outlive me? 
that where I am not just being successful, but I'm creating a legacy of significance. And the legacy of significance is, is I'm impacting other people's lives in a positive way that, man, it is changing their life. Because that's what a legacy is all about. And so I want to talk to us over the next couple of weeks about how do we live a life that outlives us? How do we live a life that makes a significant impact on this world and the people around us so that we can make a huge difference in life? And there is a passage of scripture that has been challenging me. Personally, it's been challenging me for us as our church in the last little season. And it's found in Isaiah chapter 54. We're going to be reading it today. It starts in verse 2 and it says this. It says, enlarge the side of your tent to make room for more children. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare them. Lengthen your tent ropes and make your pegs, your stakes firm in the ground. For you will spread out to the right and to the left, and your descendants will take possession of the nations and inhabit deserted cities. And I believe that if you want to live a life that outlives you, Isaiah gives us a few keys that we can start to apply to our life to help us live a life that outlives us. If you're taking notes today, number one is this, is you have to begin to expand your capacity. You've got to begin to expand your capacity in life. You've got to be constantly challenging yourself to grow in life. If you look at the words in this scripture, it says enlarge, stretch, lengthen, spread, make firm. Those are action words. Those are not passive words. Those are not just words you sit back in and they just happen in your life. Those are actionable words that we have got to begin to do some things to make room for all that God wants to do in our lives. Like you have got, like whether you realize this or not, you've got to make room for God in your life. You've got to make room for the things of God in your life, which means that where you're currently at is not where God wants you to be. He wants you to grow larger, to expand, to lengthen yourself, to grow in the, into the potential that he's put within you. But that only happens when you begin to expand your capacity. What happens for so many of us is we think that, man, if I can just be successful in life, then everything will be good. And we think that, man, if I can just open the door to success and walk in, then I will have arrived. The problem is, is that there is not a singular door to success or significance. It's you open that door, you take a step through it, and then you find out there's another door. And you have to open that door and take another step through it. And you got to open the next door and take another step through it. And you're constantly growing and expanding and becoming the person that God has called you to be. The problem is, is that a lot of us, we open the door and we go, oh, this is nice. Like it feels good. Like I've got a level of success here. I'm going to stay right here. And have you ever noticed that when you get complacent in a place, it doesn't seem like very many doors start opening anymore? Why is that? Is it, could it be that God is not going to continue to give opportunities that you won't walk through? Maybe the things that he has have changed lives of people are too important to him to waste opportunities on people that will not continue to take advantage of opportunities. I know that I'm stepping on some of your all's toes today because i got some big boots on. But some of us need to hear this because there are doors that are open to us right now that we're sitting back and going, well, that's a little bit too much work. That's a little bit too much for me to do right now in this season of my life. And God's going, hey, listen, I have called you to expand your capacity. Don't settle for less than my best for your life when I have called you to so much more. 
That's why I'm saying our positioning in life, where we're at in life, the decisions that we're making are so critical. But if we're honest with ourselves, and I'm going to be honest with me, I kind of like comfort. I have a tendency to become complacent. And what happens when we get comfortable is, is we settle. We settle for this thing called average. That's why the average marriage in America ends at eight years right now. It's why the average person does not have $1,000 in their savings account right now. It's why the average church has 77 people attending it right now. Because the greatest hindrance to you expanding your capacity and becoming all that God has called you to be is good enough. This is good. And God's going, why are you settling for good? When I've called you to be great and I've called you to expand your capacity. When I've called you to grow and to stretch. And what happens for so many of us is we fall into a rut. We fall into a routine. And we just get into this cycle. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to settle for anything less than what is possible in my life. I don't want to settle for anything less than God's best that he designed from the beginning of time for every single one of us to live. And here's what I know about this whole thing about stretching and expanding your capacity is, is that, man, stretching and expanding is painful. It's sacrificial. Like, it's going to cost you something in life. In fact, Yesterday morning, I was, I was sitting at home. Shayla was here working. I was, it was about 7.45 in the morning, and I was sitting on our couch, extremely comfortable. I was like, man, I, I feel good. But there are some areas of my life that have been stretching that I did not really want to stretch called my waist. Anybody experienced that over the holidays? And uh, I thought to myself, well, I, I, I better grow some other aspects of my life. I better go to the gym. And I didn't really want to go to the gym. And I, I showed up to a CrossFit class, and you know what I've been doing ever since? I've been hurting. Because stretching, expanding, growing is painful. Like I could barely walk up that ladder this morning. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. But let's not be a people that settles for less than what God intended for our life. Especially when God is, is commanding us to, hey, begin to do these things in your life. And listen, as a church, we're not going to settle for less than God's best for our church. I believe that heaven and hell are real places and people are dying and going to hell right now. And we're called as a church to make it hard for people to go to hell. By making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, know, and follow Jesus. And it's awesome of what God has done in our church over the last 18 months, 7th fastest growing church in America, 6th service, all those things. But we're not going to settle on what God has done in the past when he's got more doors for us to walk through as a church. And I'm talking way better than y'all are responding. So we're going to work on this here today. Because I will just keep talking. I'll go right in the next service. We'll combine 11.30 and 12.45 if y'all don't start responding a little bit better here. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm going I'm to get y'all. 
And so we said, man, what's possible here as a church? What is possible for us to do? What could we do? What could we continue to grow and expand? And we said, man, there's, with things happening the way that they are, we'll be, we'll, be, we'll be full again. We'll be at max capacity and services again by February this year. So what could we do? We gave you three options of what we could do last weekend. We said, number one, we could, we could go launch another multi-site location somewhere in the surrounding area and we can go reach more people. We said last weekend we could just hunker down here. We can add more services. We can finish out some things. We can add some more staff here. We can do all kinds of things here. But I took a poll and there was only like 14 of you that said you'd go to the 2 p.m. service. So I don't know if that's going to work, but we'll do it. If there's 14, we'll do it. We also said we could, we could go and we could start a, a second phase here and, and build a, 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 a bigger auditorium and give this space back to the next generation uh, that was originally intended for them. In fact, I told you last weekend that I will show you some pictures of that. Do you guys want to see pictures of that? Yeah. Okay, so, so this is what our church could look like here. Um, that's, that's the auditorium, and then we got some floor plans here of stadium seating. It's actually, the, the floor will be just a little bit bigger than this, so it'll still feel like an intimate church, even though it's getting a lot bigger. Because we think that that's an important element of, of us. But here's what I know. All, everything that we're doing, the reason we position ourselves is because positioning is preparation for the promise. And what we have to understand is that God is trying to position us to prepare us for what he wants to do. And this is all about the way we prepare for everything that God has for our lives is we start stretching ourselves so that we have the capacity to be able to handle what God wants. This is not just for us as a church. This is for us as individuals. A lot of us are going, God, give me more. And God's going, have you stretch yourself so you could actually handle that. Because God is not going to waste his resources on somebody that can't handle it. He's just too good of a steward to do that. He's going to say, hey, 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 listen, I need you to take some steps, and then I'll come in and I'll fulfill those things. See, we've got to begin to expand our capacity. Then number two, we've got to begin to walk in confidence. So progression here, he says in verse 4, he says, Do not fear, for you will not be put to shame. And do not feel humiliated or ashamed, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth, and you will no longer remember the disgrace of your widowhood. I started thinking about what is the place where you don't have fear, where you don't have shame, where there's no more humiliation. It's a place of confidence. It's a place where you are moving forward in faith. And, and notice I said moving forward in faith because faith is not a feeling. So many people think faith is a feeling like, oh, I'm full of joy, therefore I must be full of faith. Do you know that you can be full of joy and completely lacking in faith? Like, faith is not a feeling. Faith is an action. It's a trust. It's a belief. In Hebrews chapter 11 actually says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that are not yet seen. In other words, let me explain it to you like this. Every, every Christmas for the last couple of years, Shayla and I have always gone and done experiences instead of do, doing gifts. And so we'll go away and we'll have a, a family experience. Last year, we had our son Alexander. And so we actually did Christmas at home and we did a whole bunch of gifts for him. And we realized, man, we didn't do an experience. So let's, let's buy a gift. And we went out and we ended up buying new couches, like very, very sexy Christmas gift. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's so memorable. And I remember, I remember we went and we bought couches, and the problem is, is like couches don't fit in your trunk at stores, you know. And so we like bought some couches, and they gave me a receipt, and on that receipt 
was a delivery date for the couches. And so we went home and we're talking to friends and family. They're like, oh, what did you get for Christmas? And we're like, we bought couches. They're like, let me see. And I would show them a receipt. Now, I know that that's kind of weird, uh, but it's like, where is it? And it's like, it's, it's here. I bought the couch. Like last time I checked, is a receipt a couch? Okay, not a trick question. There's a couple of sharp people over here. This section you're a little lacking. Is a receipt a couch? Okay, okay. So why am I showing them a receipt when they ask to see a couch? Because the receipt is the substance and the evidence of what belongs to you but has not yet become a reality in your life. See, faith is a supernatural receipt that verifies what is standing and waiting for delivery for you from heaven. Now, what's interesting is when do you think they delivered those couches for us? We bought them in December. Do you know when they showed up to our house? May. <laughs> this, this is important for some of you because you're going, I'm walking in faith. God, show up now. I'm walking in confidence. Where is it? Substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. And God is saying, listen, sometimes the best things in life take a little bit of time. And you need to walk in some confidence right now. Because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to create a legacy in you. And I want you to walk in confidence so that when your kids see you and you're going, no, God said he's going to do it. I'm standing on what he said he's going to do. And then six months later when God does it, they go, oh, my gosh, my parents are faithful people. Like God is trying to build something that is all of a sudden going to be passed on through generations, through your faith, that you're walking in confidence in him that is not just going to be for you, but is for other people to see. And the confidence that you walk in is so critical to your legacy that you're building of faith in life. And God is trying to build a people that will say, hey, I know that God said it. I'm going to trust that he's going to do it. Because here's what God says in verse, in verse 54. Go back to it. He says, for, this is the promise that he gives. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. And your descendants will take possession of nations and will inhabit the deserted city. See, this is the promise that God gives. But that doesn't come to them right away. He says, here's what I need you to do. I need you to do the premise before the promise. And the premise is, is you need to start stretching. You need to start walking. You need to start trying. Trusting in me. And you need to walk in confidence. And here's what I promise I will do. And my promises are yes and amen. And so there is a premise that every single one of us has to take in the fact that we have got to begin to expand our, 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 our potential, expand our possibilities, and then begin to walk in confidence knowing that God is faithful to do what he said he would do. Then when we do that, then number three, we've got to remember who you're living for you got to remember who you're living for. Verse 5 says, For your husband is your maker, and the Lord of hosts is his name, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, 
who is called the God of the whole earth. You, you got to remember, what, what is this life that you're living? Who is it for? Is it for you or is it for someone greater than you? I love what A.W. Tozer, a great pastor, said. He said, your view of God is the most important aspect about your relationship with God. So many of us view God as a genie in a bottle that if we rub him the right way, we're going to get everything we want. We think he's a Christina and Aguilera song. I mean, that's what we think of him. Like, we think God is here to serve us. And so our view of God is, is that God is, is here to, to make us great. A.W. Tozer also said, a low view of God is the cause of a hundred lesser evils. He said, but a high view of God is a, a solution to 10,000 temporal problems. See, how we view God, if we realize that, that our life is not here so God can glorify us, but we realize that God has saved us and redeemed us and filled us with his grace and his mercy, and now our life is a reflection of God to a lost and dying world. See, this world, 99 out of 100 people are never going to read the Bible. They're going to read the Christian. They're going to read your life. They're going to read how you live, how you love, how you care, how you serve, how you impact, how you act towards your spouse, how you treat your children, how you treat the server at the restaurant. They're not looking at what God's Word says. They're looking at God's Word through your life. Their view of God is their view of your life. And the legacy that we're living is based on who we're living for. And have you noticed that when you're living for yourself, you treat people below yourself? But when you're living for God, you realize that they're all his children. And that they all matter. That they're all important. And the greatest legacy you can leave is an eternal legacy, a legacy that impacts people for eternity. It's one of the reasons why I think what's happening in our church is so critical and so important right now. The impacts for eternity that are going on, that we realize that we're not living to, to make Coastal famous. Listen. Coastal Community Church is never going to be a famous church. We're going to make Jesus' name famous continually. We're going to make his name high and lifted up, exalted above all else so that lives can be changed, eternities can be impacted, generations can be transformed. That's what the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. So let's not get tired of doing what's good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. He said, let's not get tired of doing what is the best things in life, the good things in life. The good things in life are changing people's lives. The greatest eternal blessing, the harvest of blessing that we can have is, is changing eternities for everybody's future. He says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Church, I believe that this is our opportunity to do good, not just for today, not just for tomorrow, but for generations to come. It's our opportunity to make a difference in eternal legacy in people's lives of, of changing them so they can be ripped from the gates of hell 
to experience eternity with Jesus while living with purpose and intentionality here on this earth. You know, I talked about some things that we could do and three things that we could do about a multi-site location, just hunkering down here and adding more services and starting to expand for the next phase of this facility at this location. And like, those are options that we could do. And somebody came out to me last week and they said, well, which one are we going to do? Listen, we're not choosing one of them. We're choosing all three of them. Because we have a we have a mantra, we have a mission here that we're going to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, so they can know, and so they can follow Jesus. And if we only choose one of those things, then we're telling people they can go to hell. And I just refuse to do that as a pastor. I will give up my seat all day long so somebody else can have their seat. So they can experience the life-giving, loving nature of a God who loved them so much that he would send his one and only son so they could experience eternal life. And so it's easy to ask, like, well, Pastor Dieter, what's that going to cost? That's going to cost about $10 million. Pretty cheap, huh? But it's only going to cost us 3.75. Now, let's be honest, that, that's a lot of money. Would all, everybody agree that's a lot of money? If you don't agree that that's a lot of money, talk to me afterwards. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you how to spell million. And uh, it's great. And so, so I thought to myself, like, how could we do this? Like, what... How can we make this happen? Because the reality is, is we have somewhere between 1,800 and 2,000 people that attend church here every weekend. I looked at our database this week, and I asked, how many families have come through our church? We have 5,600 families that have come through our church. Where are you all at today? That's what I want to know. Where are you at? Stop watching online. Come to church. Sorry, I'm just talking to them online right now. And so I thought, how could we do this? And so I came up with this, this way that we could make this happen. This represents about 1,000 families in our church. I said, this is a way that, that we could do this. If, if somebody would, if the different amounts of people, whether it's one or it's 50 or it's 300, chose an amount and said, hey, we're, we're going to sacrifice. We're going to go above and beyond, and we're going we're gonna to make this happen. And, and, and I think that this is important for us to understand that there are some people that are in our church. I, I call them our legacy team. They don't even know that they're called that. But if you're part of that, you'll know that now that you're called part of that team. Three families have already stepped up and said, hey, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to cover, uh, we're committing to cover 1.25 million of that. Like, that's an amazing thing. Like, one family is like, man, I got the 500. Another one was like, I got 270. Another one was a different number because they just chose whatever numbers they wanted. And uh, I was like, that's, that's awesome. And that's an incredible thing. But let me just say this. Far too long, we live in a country where a, a, a small percentage has paid the price for the majority of the people. Like 5% has paid for 95% of the people. And, and that works great in a democracy. But God's way is a little bit different. See, God isn't in a democracy. He's in a kingdom. And in a kingdom, it isn't just a couple take care of the rest for everybody else. It's, it's everybody steps in and everybody plays their part. Not equal, gen, not equal numerically. It's equal sacrifice across the board. And I refuse as the pastor of this church to let a few people carry the load of the majority. Like I'm thankful for those that say, hey, we believe in the mission and vision. And for all too long in the church in America, that's what's happened. A few people have carried the mission. But I'm, I'm calling us out as a church. It's time for all of us to carry the mission. And God gave me this ladder uh, 
way, and, and, and when I looked at this, and Shayla and I looked at this, we saw this, and we thought to ourselves, I know exactly where we're going to be on there. Because when we looked at this and we saw it, we were like, I, I know, above our tithes and what we give regularly to Coastal and trusting God, we're going to sacrifice and we're going to give this amount. And here's what I know about a ladder. For some of you, you've never taken your first step when it comes to generosity or tithing. And the first step is always the hardest. If you've never taken a step on the ladder, that first step is scary. It's crazy. And I'm going to challenge you to take that first step. But if you notice, when I climbed this ladder, there is a level that I stopped at. Why? Because this is where it's comfortable for me. Like, if I go a little bit higher, it gets a little bit more uncomfortable. In fact, the higher I go, the scarier it gets. And as God was speaking to us, I, 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 I heard God basically go, teach, I, hey, I, know, I know that that's comfortable for you because that's exactly how it is in our faith. We get to a level of comfort in our faith. We go, hey, I'm good right here. Like it's, it's pretty good in that place, but God is not calling us to comfort in our faith. He's calling us to growth in our faith. He's calling us to expand our capacity and to walk in confidence in him and and I heard God say, hey, TJ, I want, I want you to get a little bit uncomfortable and, and take the, a, a next step. Get out of your comfort zone. And here's what I know is that you'll never be all that God has called you to be if you stay in the place you've always been. And so I'm not just going to challenge myself. I'm going to challenge you. You know, wherever you find yourself, whatever you feel is comfortable there, I'm going to challenge you to take your next uncomfortable step. And see what God will do in that season. Because I believe that the greatest legacy we can leave is a legacy of changed lives. Because I don't know if you realize this or not, but I'm going to die one day. You're going to die one day. But there's one thing that has been living on for 2,000 years, and that's the church of Jesus Christ. And it's continuing to impact generation after generation after generation. And I don't know about you, but I want to be about something that outlives me. And the church will always outlive me. I'm going to give my life to something that is significant enough that it will make an eternal difference on this earth. And I'm going to challenge us to do this. And, and listen, there, there's no pressure here. I don't want you to feel pressure in this. In fact, if you feel pressured in this, that is not the Holy Spirit. This is not pressure for you to do this. This is an opportunity. Because Galatians told us, Whenever you have opportunity to do good, you should. And so here's my challenge to you. On, on every one of your seats is a card that looks like this. It says legacy, faith, family, and future, because that's what we're about. We're about growing our faith personally. It takes faith to step out financially. It's about building our family that's here and the family that's to come here, and it's about building the future for generations to come. And I, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to take this card. And on December 14th and 15th, we're going to do a special offering. And here's what I would ask you to do is, is over the next couple of weeks that you would pray. Number one, you would pray. You would ask God. I believe you have a relation with God. I believe that if you ask God, God, how would you want me and my family to be a part of this? God will speak to you. That God will tell you what that is, how he wants you to be a part. And then number two, that you just be obedient to whatever he said. And then number three, that you would be generous on that weekend. And I believe that if we do that, it'll be the one weekend in our church where we pass buckets by everybody. So if you don't like this or you don't want to be a part of that, don't show up this weekend. Just giving you permission. You want, you want an out? Here's your out. But part of the reason why we're going to pass buckets that weekend is because everybody is to be a part. 
of building God's church. It's not just for a select few, it's for everyone. And here's what I know is that, that if we'll do that, if we will choose a life of generosity so others can have a life of opportunity to experience, know, and follow Jesus, we will create a legacy of changed lives that will continue to change lives for generations to come. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? God, I thank you that you are a God this is all about creating a legacy. And you've been, you've been after every single one of us for so long. And this isn't about uh, 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 new buildings or any of those things. This is about the fact that you want every single one of us to expand our capacity. You want to challenge every single one of us to move beyond the place that we're at right now. And I know that as I was speaking earlier about your potential and, and areas that we get average and settle in and, and, and live a life of mediocrity, that inside of every single one of us, myself included, God, that you started bringing conviction to our heart. And my prayer is, is that, God, we would not allow that conviction just to be there in the background, but we would go, God, I need to start to stretch myself. I need to start to spread out my tent. That I need to start to do some things to uh, facilitate opening up the capacity of all that you have for my life because you're not going to send things my way until I begin to open myself up to the things that you want to send. And God, that as we do that, that we would begin to walk in confidence and faith that if you said it, you'll do it. Because that's who you are. You're faithful yesterday, today, and forever. And that, God, you want to do those things in our lives. And that, God, we would never forget who it's for and what it's all about. And it isn't to make us great, but it's to make you great. So that our lives can be a visual element of your son, Jesus Christ, to every man, woman, and child that we encounter. God, but the greatest legacy that we could experience in life is a relationship with you. And maybe you're in here today and you've never experienced a relationship with Jesus Maybe today you go, you know what, I'm going to begin that legacy life. I'm going to begin a life of knowing the one who created me, who made me. And it be, it's really simple how it works. It begins with you recognizing that God loved you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on a cross for you 2,000 years ago. So that you could experience life and have it more abundantly. And maybe today you need to recognize that death and resurrection wasn't just a good story. It was actually good news for you. So that you can be reconciled to God and have a relationship with him. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you here today, I'm going to pray. And if you would just pray this prayer in your heart, you can begin that relationship with God. God, I thank you that you sent your son for me. God, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for Jesus for paying the price that I could never pay. Dying a death that I was meant to die and resurrecting three days later so I could experience life and life more abundantly. God, today, come into my heart. Come into my life. Don't just be my Savior, but be my Lord. Take over. Help me to live my days with intentionality, positioning myself to become the man and the woman that you've called me to be, to leave a legacy of lives that are changed and transformed because of how you're transforming my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, guys, on your chair is a card that looks like this that... Uh, says, oh, what fun. I just want to encourage you that uh, these are some invitations to our Christmas Eve service. We're doing Christmas Eve this year out at Pine Trails Park. We couldn't fit everybody in here. So we're going to do one big, huge service out of Pine Trails Park at 5 p.m. on December 24th. We're going to have bounce houses, LED wall sound system. We're going to have a good old time. And we know there's a ton of people that would never dawn the doors of a church. So we'll bring the church to the people out there in public. And so we'd love for you to invite your family to friends. We're going to have a great time. It's going to be a great celebration. Let's partner together to make an eternal difference in people's lives. We love you all.